Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey, I'm Trent Rush. This is Brandon Marsh, the Los Angeles Angels and 66ers baseball. This is Joe Adele here with the Los Angeles Angels. I'm Tori Hunter Jr. You're listening to the All Angels Podcast. What is going on, Angel fans? This is another edition of the All Angels Podcast. Doing it a little bit different this week. I am still joined by Johnny Max. Um, so... You know, obviously, I'm at my place. Johnny's at his place. Uh, are you in the your new? Are we calling that Halo hallway, or what? What are you calling your new man cave? Is it does it does it have a name yet? I guess it's Halo Hall, but it's not just Halo stuff. I mean, the majority of the stuff in here is Halo stuff, but uh, yeah, Halo Hall is fine with me, dude. Yeah, or there Halo, we go. Halo Haven, like Junior. Halo Haven or something. I don't know. Yeah, we'll, we'll figure. That's a that's a work in progress. I'm sure we'll get uh, a name to it before the actual start of the real season, which is kind of sad because today was supposed to be um, opening day, and we can kind of get our thoughts on that towards the end. But before we get to our main conversation, that's Game 6 and Game 7 of the 2002 World Series. We got a new sponsor, LinkedIn. Yeah, the perfect hire can have an impact on your business for years to come. So when you need to find that next person to help you grow your right business, uh, LinkedIn Jobs will match the right talent with the you know, open role fast. LinkedIn has over 675 million members worldwide. LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates that the hand with hard and soft skills you're looking for so you can hire the person fast. Things like uh, collaboration, creativity, uh, LinkedIn looks uh, beyond the work skills and puts your job posts in front of qualified candidates who match your business requirements perfectly. That's how LinkedIn makes sure your job post is seen by people you want to hire, people with skills, qualifications, and other interests that will help your business grow. It's no wonder a person is hired every eight seconds with LinkedIn. And why companies rated LinkedIn's jobs the number one hiring platform for delivering quality hires. Find the right person for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You pay for what you you pay what you want and get the first fifty dollars off. Just visit LinkedIn.com slash team. Again, that's LinkedIn.com slash teams to get fifty dollars off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. So again, thank you, LinkedIn. Uh new sponsor. Uh but like I said before, uh, uh we are talking about the 2002 World Series, but more specifically, Game 6 and Game 7. Johnny, you were at Game 6. What I'm more interested to know, as, you know, again, 2002, so that's some time. 
how old were you and kind of what was your whole um how was your whole uh mind going into the game 21 years old man i'll never forget it i was 21 um to be honest with you i was super like um nervous because i didn't want to watch my team lose the world series you know what i mean um so i was nervous in on that aspect of it but also very excited as well because we could win you know what i mean but we were down three two going into that game um in series so uh it was just one of those deals where like super psyched but at the same time i was just like i do not want to lose i don't want to be here when the angels lose the world series so you know and and it was grim man it was grim Uh, right as we all know what happened but it didn't look good there for the first seven innings and like kind of getting into the lead up to the um playoffs obviously against the giants giants beat um the atlanta braves and and st louis cardinals to get to that point and then the angels had to go through uh, the New York Yankees and the Minnesota Twins to get there. But like you said, game six, Angels down three to two and and just a great comeback. Kind of set the scene about what, what happened for game six. Uh, you know, we were down the, – the whole series was back and forth. Um, the one the one thing that people forget – not I mean, people do, I guess, to forget, but Angels lost game one of every playoff series – Leading up to even the World Series, they lost Game One of the ALDS to the Yankees. They lost Game One of the ALCS to the uh, Twins. They lost Game One of the World Series to the Giants. So they that first game they lost, and then Game Two, which I was also there for Game Two, was another important game that people forget. But uh, Game Two was a back and forth game where the Angels won like eleven to ten, and we headed into into San Francisco and we won Game Three. So we took a two games to one lead, and then we lost games three and four. Or game, we won game three, we lost games four and five. Uh, we lost game, we won game three pretty decisively. I don't remember the final score, but I remember we scored a lot of runs. But then they beat us in game five. Like I want to say it was like sixteen to four. Or yeah, something. exactly. So, yeah, sixteen to four was the final score in game five. Yeah, um, the final game in San Francisco for that year. So, I mean, just kind of looking back at it, you you have to figure that. San Francisco has all the momentum going forward, all the momentum. Like, granted, yeah, they have to play two games in Anaheim, but coming off a 16-4 to win, I mean, how do you not feel confident going into the next two games knowing that you just need one of them? Dude, and 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 they were going – they were going – giving the ball to their aces that year and Russ Ortiz. Right. Uh, Russ Ortiz had a, a rough game too. Um, he got knocked around, but he was a guy that they want – they wanted to give the ball to. To in a, in a clinching game, uh, they were actually set up really well because they had they were giving the ball to their ace, uh, you know, in a clinching game. And then if they were to lose, which they ended up losing that game, they were going to give the ball to Levon Hernandez in Game right. Seven, who in the past was a great postseason pitcher. So they were set up. I think they thought they were good. You know, they were set up right. And well, uh, but man, it, it it was a back and forth series heading into into back to Anaheim for Game Six and Seven. Um, the good thing was for the Angels was man, at least these two games will be at home, and they yeah. did have home advantage. So that was crucial. That that was very crucial for the Angels in Game Six. Well, the good thing, like kind of like what you're saying, um, well, not, not good thing, but the way the Giants had it set up, Russ Ortiz did have a really good game. Like I think some people might get that lost in the big comeback, but you know he went six and a third with only giving up two runs, 
And you kind of figure, well, in a World Series game of that kind of magnitude, that's exactly what you need from a starting pitcher. Right. Well, when he, you know, when he left, the two runs that were scored against him, he left on base. So. Right. So technically, it wasn't. I mean, it was uh, yeah. absorbed or whatever, however, whatever term you want want to use. It wasn't right. him technically giving up the, but it was, but it was, it was his, it was, um, it was his guys. Base. Yeah, his uh, his runners that he gave. But but that's what I'm saying. Like I, I, we both rewatched the game, obviously with the downtime that both of us had. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, like when he, they show him in the dugout. Um, and he's kind of getting high fives, and he puts his jacket on. He's kind of relaxing. He's probably thinking, like, man, I did a great job. I did, I did, you know, I did what I was supposed to do. There's no way they're going to come back, you know, because I mean, it's what was it five zero when he when he left, and so it just it's just I don't know how that late into the game you don't think in your head like, hey, I did enough in the seventh to get get it to this point. So with a five run lead, and he was handing the ball over to a guy who. Even into the World Series was pitching great. Um, right. uh, was uh, was it Torres? No, it was uh, Felix Rodriguez. Rodriguez, Felix yep. Rodriguez, and I, being there at the stadium, um, I remember really being. I mean, the energy was still up, but you had to say it was the eerie sense of like, man, we got runners on base. I think the inning before they had a they had a chance and Salmon struck out or something like that, and it almost felt deflating. Mm-hmm. Played at the stadium, and then you know the Angels got those two runners on. I think Fulmer got a hit, and I want to say Fulmer and, and um, God, I don't remember the other the other person that got on base. But um, when they got those two runners on, and they took Ortiz out, and then I, we, you know, to be honest, I saw Rodriguez come out. And I'm like, man, I don't know. I, I didn't have the the, the confidence in in Spezio to hit a home run, even though Spezio had, had been raking the whole postseason. Um, I think he had the record for most RBIs in a postseason. I think it recently got broken. But just they weren't hitting all day. They were bringing in Rodriguez, who was a lights out kind of, cl- not closer, but a late inning guy. And to be honest, the stadium was up. But in my in my heart of hearts, I was re- really like not 100% confident the Angels would be able to do anything in that inning because they were bringing a guy who, in the past, was, the, the the Giants bullpen was just almost as good as that Angels bullpen that year. Yeah, and, um, and, and kind yeah. of looking back at it too, the Angels roster. Like you look at the Angels roster, and like there's some like lo- like Angel fans love these some of these guys. Like whether it's Erstad, Eckstein, Salmon, Gloss, but then there's like some guys that don't really. I mean, besides this 2002 season, you don't hear a whole lot from whether it is Spezia, whether it is. Uh, a Brad Fulmer or, you know, um, Molina kind of was always the defensive guy, but he had a good offensive uh, series, especially towards the end. Right. But it's like, man, there wasn't – I mean, you looked up and down the the roster. Yeah, there's probably a couple Angel Hall of Famers on there, but there's no yeah guys that are like baseball no, Hall of Fame. There's no yeah. baseball Hall of Fame guys. There, there's no. not. I mean, and it's just kind of crazy to see some of the names not only – you know, you have Kevin Apier starting the original twenty-seven. I'll start calling him now because, you know, um, but where where do you go after that? Yeah, I mean, even their ace was Jared Washburn that year, who went right. eighteen six. But before that was a, a guy kind of who had a high ceiling, mm-hmm. but no one ever saw him as a guy that would ever win eighteen games in a season. Um, and what a lot of people forget, you know, that everybody thinks, oh, Adam Kennedy, Adam Kennedy. But Adam Kennedy, for the most part of the season, and even into the playoffs, didn't play against left-handed pitchers. Benji Gill was the second baseman against left-handed pitchers. So you had 
a guy like Benji Gill, who a lot of people forget about, that was crucial on that team. Brad Fulmer hit like 20 home runs that season at DH. So um, all all up and down that line, like that roster, everyone was important, played a role. And, and like you said, it's just kind of crazy to see that there was no superstar on that team. And it, it's, it's it's and they won a World Series. It's crazy. It's it's almost unheard of in in, in terms of uh, now, you know, because you always have to have at least that high quality ace pitcher or that major superstar to win a World Series. And this 2002 Angels team was just almost like, I don't want to say a band of misfits, but it was a band of guys who were were brought there to do a job, and they did it. And it's and it's awesome, man. What, man? But, but yeah, heading into that, into that, into that seventh inning, man. When with Spezio up, I think he had like a long at bat. Even I think he had. Yeah, he worked. He worked. He worked at bat pretty well, from what I remember. Watch, watching the game and everything like that. But um, yeah, just game six was just something that you just don't see every day. Again, Angel scoring three in the seventh, three in the eighth, so late in the in in the game, and and. And kind of like another thing that I want to talk about too was, I know we said we're going to kind of go over the whole um, series afterwards, but one of the things that, I, that kind of got lost on me was Barry Bonds' dominance during this during this stretch of the World Series. I mean, it, it was funny though too because they like they mic'd up I think uh, Bud Black at one point in the series, and uh, they have him like, "Oh, look at Barry! He's like he's saying this like, oh, look at Barry over there." He knows if if Kent gets on, we're gonna walk him. Right, and it's just like it's so funny that like the the first his first at bat in Game Six, they walk him with a dude on first. Oh, uh, Barry Bonds, man! Throughout that whole era, it was almost an automatic home run. Almost like it's it was almost a fifty. It was probably more than fifty fifty uh, shot that this dude was gonna hit a home run. But in those kind of situations, like. You don't blame them for putting him on with the runner on first base. Um, I think there was a point in the season that year. I think it was, uh, I think it was, uh, what's his name, uh, Buck Showalter, who, um, uh, who walked Barry Bonds with the bases loaded, and you walked in a run rather than a pitch to Barry Bonds. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that was happening to Barry Bonds because he was just so dominant, dude. And, and from from the get go, I think game one he had a mash. He mashed the ball against Jared Washburn. It went far, and then yeah, and two he had another one off Percival that went even further. So, and then that God. was the, that was the one where Salmon was saying like, "Oh, I or I think he ended up saying like I'd never seen another uh, he a said, That's the furthest ball I've ever yeah. seen hit yeah at, at Angel Stadium. That thing was mashed into the right field, like into that tunnel, dude. I yeah. Mean, that's a sh- and, and if you've ever gone out there, which you Angel fans who are listening, obviously, yeah, you've been in Angel Stadium. But when you go to right field, you stand, you could stand there, and that's a shot, dude. Oh yeah, that's that's by no means even even if you hit it that far in in batting practice, that's a long way. Yeah, and, and talk about too the the um, the Angels going in or both teams, I guess, going into the season. Both teams didn't win their their division. Both teams were wild card teams, which at the time was kind of like unheard of. Yeah, and I remember them calling it the Cinderella playoffs because the Angels had gone and the and the, and the Giants had gone so far, and it was the first time that two, you know, uh, wild card teams had actually made it that far. Um, 
But yeah, both teams were not uh, the Western Division, as you guys remember. That was a year that the that the uh, A's rolled out twenty straight wins. Mm-hmm. And, but in that span of twenty, what a lot of people forget is in that span where the the A's won twenty straight games, the Angels went eighteen and two, and they only yeah. gained like one one game on the Angels that year. But the Angels did end up winning the wild card. The A's won the National or the American League West, and in the National League. Um, I'm not sure who won the West over there. I, I think it was the Pod- it might have been the Padres or was it the Dodgers? I'm not uh, sure. I don't, I don't remember. I don't think it was the Dodgers, but yeah, the, the Giants were in the wild card, man. And and even then, I think they came back against the, the Cardinals in the first round. Um, was it the Cardinals? No, the the Braves. The Braves and Cardinals were in the uh, the CS. They were down to the Braves too in that series, and they came back to win the or the NLDS. So now these were two teams who definitely snuck in. Mm-hmm. And just rolled with it. I mean, that's about momentum, man. But it was a great series. It went seven games, man. Yeah. yeah. And then we, we got an email from Lamar Washington. Again, a, a, a loyal Angels uh, listener. He just simply says, man, game six. That Spezio home run, I will never forget watching that game at round table with a group of people. That's yeah. that's, <laughs> that's funny, though, too, because it's a – Round table, like I can't remember the last time I've been to round table, but another thing that that kind of reminded me of is when you watch these older games, just some of the older, like base coaches not wearing helmets. You forget there was a time before, like you're just so used to it now in the last, what, four or five years that they had to do it that uh, you forget that there was a time where they didn't do it. So like you're watching these, these games and there's no, there's no helmets on the base coaches. The nets are like, nowhere to be found compared to now just like little stuff like that where i i watch and i'm just like uh man that's that's some old old school stuff yeah and even even like uh the one one thing too as well is um is uh it it struck me right away was there's no pitch count there was no pitch count indicator either you know kevin apier uh for the angels that season uh I, mean, I just remember that whole season. He he threw a lot of, of pitches, and it, I was I was curious to see because I was I watched game one through game seven this week, and I was curious to see. I think it was game two, and I was like, man, how many pitches is he? And it was like the second inning. I wanted to know how many pitches, how deep he was, you know, uh, as far as pitches. And then uh, I'm looking at the screen, going, oh my god, there's no pitch count, you know. So um, it's just. <laughs> It's just crazy. You're you're right, dude. Just seeing the little things. It doesn't seem like it's been that long ago, but it's been 18 years now. So a lot has changed in the game of baseball. And, and not to mention, I will never take high definition granted again because the videos you have to watch for these games before high depth is 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 pretty crazy. Yeah, dude. Uh, and luckily for me, you know, I know you were watching them on. Uh, I think you were watching it on YouTube. On YouTube. Um, uh, it. I have the the disc set, the DVD disc set that they um, released a couple years back, and I have high quality, thank God, because um, I, I couldn't. I, there's no way. I mean, I just yeah. oh, and that's brutal. Because I did watch. I what I ended up doing is watching from game one of the ALDS to uh, game seven of the World Series, and I did have to watch the ALDS and the ALCS on YouTube, and it was brutal. It was very brutal. Um, but uh, yeah, dude, you take for granted the crispness of, of technology nowadays, and uh, I couldn't imagine watching a World Series without on a on a bigger big screen TV. But <laughs> uh, high def and all that stuff, uh, soundbar, uh, we take things for granted for sure. Uh, yeah, that's crazy. Uh, 
So that was Game 6. That was kind of our thoughts about Game 6. We're going to take a quick break real quick, and then we will be back with Game 7 and kind of the overall feel of not only that series, but kind of that year and, and everything like that. So we'll be right back after these messages. Hey, what's up? Johnny Catfish here, ambassador for Groom Goon Beard and Body Care. Are you tired of your beard feeling rough and not so fresh? Do yourself a favor and do what I did and check out www.groomgoon.com. Groom Goon carries a variety of beard oils and beard and body soaps that will leave your beard feeling soft and smelling great all day long. Don't just take my word for it. Go check it out for yourself. Again, that's www.groomgoon.com. And at checkout, use discount code CATFISHTHEGOON, all one word, CATFISHTHEGOON, and receive 15% off your purchase. Why choose Groom Goon? Well, because your beard deserves it. Listen to my show, The Punk Corner, on KJ Epic Radio, every Thursday from 5 p.m. to 7 p.m. Where were you for Game 7? Game 7, um, my brother had asked, he had was asking me, like, hey, man, we should we should go to uh, some bar in Fontana where that his buddy owned. They have a big screen TV and blah, blah, blah. And, I didn't want to, dude. I wanted to watch Game 7 from the house. I wanted to be at my mom and dad's house. Um, told my brother, hey, you want to go, go. I think I'm going to watch Game 7 with my mom and dad. Because mom and dad are the reasons I love baseball. Um, my dad's a Yankee fan. Um, but became an Angels fan because his favorite baseball player was Reggie Jackson. And he became an Angels fan when Reggie came over when I was at one year. I was a year old when Reggie came over in 82. Um so that was a perfect thing for my dad to go watch the Yankees. But well, my mom was always an Angels fan, and I remember watching games with my mom. My mom, my mom is a big baseball fan, and I wanted to be there with my mom and dad. So whether they won or lost, I wanted to either be consoled or I wanted to be, um, I wanted to be happy with my parents. So right. I watched Game Seven from my mom and dad's big screen Mitsubishi TV. And it wasn't. It probably wasn't even a flat screen either. It was probably like one of those with big old like back oh. ends to it and everything like that. It was huh? One of those big. It was one of those heavy as hell to move out. I remember my dad had one of those, and whenever we had to move it from like one place to the other, yeah. oh, dude, that took like me, my brother, my dad. It, yeah, it was. Now I could pick up. You could pick up a regular big screen TV, like with maybe you and just like a buddy if it's big enough. But otherwise, you could do it by yourself. But back then, it was it was a great. It was a it was a huge ordeal just to move a, a huge TV like that. It's just again, kind of goes back to what we we're saying. It's just funny how times have changed. It's only two thousand two. You kind of don't think about it being that long ago, but then you're like, yeah, that's 18 years ago. That's that's crazy. Uh, so the Angels win four to one. Uh, you know, this game for all the excitement that was going on in Game Six, this game seemed a, a lot more tamed, um, especially when you look at the score. But uh, there's there was times in the game where if the Angels do something wrong or uh, uh, the Giants get a, a a a hit at a certain situation. The game could be flipped all the way around. Yeah, there. The, the, this game was, you know, and and it felt like because I think they took the early one nothing lead. 
Yeah. And then the Angels came back. And the way they came back, they scored a run with two outs on a Benji Molina double into the gap. Then after that, you're kind of like, okay, what's going to happen? And then in that fourth inning, you know, they got those runners on base. And the, the right man came up because Gary Anderson had been the guy all year long who was like the RBI guy who would come mm-hmm. up with clutch hits when the Angels needed it to, when needed him to. And, and yeah, after they, after he hit that double down the line and they took that lead, you know, I didn't feel comfortable because I knew what the Giants could do offensively. So they still had Barry Bonds, they had Jeff Kent, they had guys, you know, they had, um, um, Reggie Sanders, they had guys who can hit the ball. Um, JT Snow had been killing the Angels all series long. So I knew that, that, that they can come back. This wasn't that a three run lead wasn't much to me. Um, so they really needed to rely on, you know, John Mackey, a rookie who had came up, you know, yeah, right 20, around after the All-Star break. Yeah, 24 this, years this old. Game. At game seven. I, and that's kind of things yeah. where you remember, like me, I remember Lackey was the pitcher. I remember what he did. Uh, I was younger than you, obviously, at the time. But um, it, it was kind of crazy to think, oh, that's right, he was rookie. Oh, that's right, it wasn't even a full season of big league play. It was, he got called up. It was that, you know... I would think it would, it would still be a, a a question of whether or not he can get it done. And to his credit, he pitched, I think, as best as he could. It, the Angels definitely could have asked for. Yeah, I mean, I remember him coming in. He was like, I think he finished that season with like a 9-4 and four record. And he had pitched some pretty good. He had showed that he was definitely good enough. Because the Angels, you know, they had guys uh, that were available, you know, to be put on that World Series roster, they had a guy in Aaron Seeley that they had brought in that year who was up to that point was one of the league leaders in like um, wins in the last decade or whatever it was. And and they kept him off the, the World Series roster and they gave him the spot to, to, to John Ackie. And like I said, he finished nine and four and he pitched some, some pretty good games for the Angels down the stretch. He pitched in the playoff game against uh, uh, the Yankees and, and not the Yankees, the uh, Twins, I believe, or it might've been the Yankees. He pitched good. So, um, you know, he proved that he belonged on that roster. But, yeah, to pitch a game seven, it was just – you just didn't have the 100% uh, trust in him like you would maybe a Jared Washburn or even a Ramon Ortiz. Which is funny to hear at the time. Or It's funny to hear now because it's like who – like, you know, like those are MLB pitchers, but neither one of those guys are going to be like – like in, like in 18 years from now, you're going to look at Verlander. You're going to look at, you know, even like Granky or even, you know, some of these guys that have won World Series with teams. And you're like, oh, man, you know, Strasburg, uh, Scherzer this last year. But that wasn't anybody on the Angels. Like, you never felt that way with anyone on the pitching staff for the Angels. No, no, you were you were comfortable. You were comfortable with the guys you knew. If you were an Angel fan, you felt comfortable with Washburn. You felt more comfortable with Ortiz, obviously. And, if you asked anyone in the league at that time, they'd have been like, "Oh yeah, I don't care who, one of the what Angels pitcher we're facing." You know, um, they didn't have that likes out guy. Yeah. But uh, Lackey pitched good for as long as he could, and then really that 2002 team, all you had to do was get through five innings, and then you can give the ball to, you know, you can give the ball to Sean Weiss in the sixth, Darling in the seventh, Frankie in the eighth, and then you know, give the ball to, to Percival in the ninth. I yes. Mean, all, all you had to do was get deep into that game or semi deep. Yeah, so how it worked out was obviously Donnelly came in the sixth. Um, and this is kind of one of the situations I was talking about where Donnelly comes in, he gets two quick outs from Kent and Bond. So you figured, okay, cool, those are the top two guys. 
you should be able to go through the inning pretty easily. But then he gives up a walk, and then he gives up a double to right field. So now you got first and or second and third with two outs. And then if you know if uh, Tom Tom Goodwin comes up and just gets a base hit, now you're kind of talking about a whole different game now. But um, Donnelly was able to strike him out. But again, that's one of those situations where, oh yeah, I was like you. I, I, people say they weren't worried. Like I don't know how you wouldn't be worried knowing that a base hit at that point. You know, obviously puts them a lot closer because it, it would have been what three to four at that point. So there's there's little moments in the game where there was kind of high tense, high pressure situations. Like I said, at, in the sixth they had second and third, two outs, um, with a, a, a Tom Goodwin coming up to bat, and, and it just showed that like uh, it wasn't as easy. I think as some people as some people uh, are saying because if, if even if like if you, you know. Say they, they score those runs and make it a one-run game. That doesn't give, you know, um, the rest of the guys that come in a little more leeway. There's not that insurance to pitch right. a little bit differently, you know. Uh, Frankie Frankie Rodriguez, although up to that point has had been lights out, still only 20 years old. You don't know. seven, he might have yeah. pitched differently. Yeah, you well, know? even too, if he, and, yeah. if you fast forward to the, to the to the ninth inning, that wasn't an easy inning for Percival. That was, I mean, oh. he gives up a, a, a single the first at the first at bat. Like, granted, yeah, it's three runs, so you have a little leeway, and maybe you're pitching a little different. But you know, at the time, it's like the last thing you want to do is give this offense any kind of excuse to kind of get the ball rolling. You know what I mean? So it's like you get a single, then uh, uh, you walk. You know, uh, and then obviously the strikeout center. But like, those were hard. Hard. Uh, that's a hard inning for Percival. It was not exactly what you would call one, two, three. Like Rodriguez had, I believe, the inning before in the eighth. Oh, he Rodriguez had one walk in the eighth, but to Barry, obviously. But you know, it, there was, like I said, there was times in that that game where it didn't seem to be as comfortable as some people kind of remember it to be. No, no. I mean, in that ninth inning, man. I in, in for Angels fans that are old enough to remember you weren't born yet. I was only five years old, but six years old, but I remember my mom crying because we blew the, the game five of the ALCS. Um, so, you know, but just our luck in the past, like, like when Percival got the tying run to the plate, I was praying to God, please don't let this happen. And then, and to be honest, dude, when, when Kenny Lofton hit that ball, I thought it was gone when he when he hit it at immediately. Then I saw Urset throw his arms to the side. Just a relief, man. But he, when he had those runners on base and they had the possibility to tie the game, I was very nervous, man. I was very nervous because a lot of things came in my mind, like the bad luck the Angels have had, you know, the, the we don't catch breaks, you know, right. all this is for nothing, um, came up. And, and it was a close game. Like I said, if, if Kenny Lofton hits a home run, the game's tied up. Mm-hmm. So you know, uh, yeah, dude, it, it was a lot closer than than than, than a lot of people kind of make it out to be. Um, but the Angels came through that that pitching staff, that bullpen, um, everyone did their part that night, man. And I think honestly, after they won Game Six, there was no way they were going to lose Game Seven. That's what a lot of people said too. A lot of people, I, I posted a poll question on our Twitter, Halo underscore Haven, um, and just kind of ask the people, kind of gauge the people's uh, thought about it. But I just kind of asked between game six and seven, um, what was the better game? And a lot of people picked six. And even to a point to where um, 
a couple of people or one person in particular, I'm trying to find it, said um, game six, after the game six, there was no way that they were losing game seven because of the momentum, because of, you know, obviously everything that happened that that game. But, you know, some people were torn it and, and not by some, I mean very little, but um, 70% said game six was better. Um, and that means 29% or 29.4 round up to 30 percent said game seven was better but you know it's kind of like one of those things where do you like do you prefer game six because it was a great comeback and it was you know this crazy game or does you prefer game seven because of the fact they won it they pop bottles they celebrated on the field there was a dog pile like which game is better i I don't know if there's a wrong answer for this one i i I think i think you can put it this way the better game was game six Considering the circumstances, being right. down 3-2, having enough to come back, 5 nothing, being dominated throughout the whole game, um, three-run home run to bring him within two, an eighth inning where, you know, Darren hits a shot, and then they, they scored two runs on the double by who ended up being the World Series MVP, Troy Gall. So that one was a better game, but the more important one is obviously Game 7 because that's the one that clinched you your first World Championship that got you to the glory. So you can put it in that where Game 6 was probably the best, the better game. But game seven was the most important because what you play for is to win a world championship. And that game, they did everything right. They never fell behind. Well, they did fall behind, but once they took the lead, they never fell behind after that. Guys came in and did their job. Um, there was I can't remember there being really an error or anything in that situation where you know somebody messed up. They all did their job. So game seven was a, to me was the most important one. Game game six was a better one. Game six, man, I was there. I was just so excited after that game. I was lucky, man. I got to go to game two of the World Series, game six of the World Series, and I went to game five of the ALCS where Kennedy hit the three home runs. And I felt lucky enough to be at these games where things like that happened. But um, I'll never, ever, ever, ever forget game six for the obvious reasons I was there. So, you know, I have a a bit of a different feeling than a lot of people who watch it at home. Um, Even though you watch it at home and, and you remember everything, man, being there, there's just no explanation for it. It was it was one of the best games I've ever been to in my life. You know, the only other game that matches that was last year's uh, combined no hitter. That, that we both watched oh, today. No. That it uh, it happened to be that uh, we both watched it today. And and I don't know about you, but that was my first time watching the the Skaggs no hitter um, on the TV broadcast. I've never seen it on the TV broadcast before because I guess uh, I guess MLB just released it on YouTube a couple days ago. I saw, so there was no way of seeing it, but. Um, yeah, I mean, if I was at the World Series game, yeah, I probably would say those would be my more memorable games. But since I wasn't, and I watched it on TV as a kid, uh, the Skaggs no-hitter, the game uh, after Skaggs passing uh, no-hitter was definitely the most, uh, the game I remember most uh, most memorable for sure. Um, and you kind of brought it up real quick going back to the World Series. Troy Gloss did end up getting the, end up getting the, MVP of the World Series, and, and I don't know how you feel about if the MVP needs to go to the winning team or necessarily just the best player because kind of like we were talking about before with Barry Bonds, and you can kind of say what you want to say about him, about the steroids allegations and PED allegations and all that stuff. But, I mean, you know, it is what it is. But for this series, for the World Series, I mean, over seven games, four home runs, but the crazy, crazy stat, 13 walks. Yeah, uh, he had an insane series. I, I'm not against the losing team winning or the losing team having the MVP. It's happened before in basketball. Jerry West, you know, when the Lakers lost to the Knicks in the 1970 World Series uh, Finals, uh, 
70-71, either one of those. Or no, they they lost to the Knicks or the Celtics. Either way, Jerry West won the MVP uh, of the finals, but the team lost. So it's happened before in sports. But, um, yeah, he it was ridiculous. I mean, every time he came up, he'd, he'd do something special. And like you said, man, regardless of the PEDs, at the time when it was happening, no one really talked about it. So you can't really look at it that way. You can't, you know, but I think it was just, you know, um, yeah, he had the best series that you could have, obviously, and the numbers don't lie. And like you said, man, the walks, that just means he's on base, giving opportunities for guys yeah. to score. Him in. On, That's on, on base percentage for that series was 700. Ridicu- ridiculous, dude. That's I mean, insane. Unheard of. I think he ended up winning the world or um, the regular season MVP that season, but you know, it was it's just kind of crazy to see one guy can turn the, the the series upside down like that, and then the Angels obviously pitching around him, making it like super obvious, not even making it even close. Like, uh, like I said, on, on top of Game Six, uh, a guy on first, okay, we'll walk him, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I just. I just, I just, it, that was crazy. And then we're on Instagram live and someone brought up a good topic right now. The rally monkey, the rally monkey still lives to this day. Uh, how do you, do, I'm kind of like, sometimes I feel like they need to kind of retire it. It had a good run. We're talking 18 years now. What do you, how do you feel about the rally monkey from when it started and obviously O2 to what it is right now? I think I think now like it's a thing of the past. Obviously, yeah, they show them and stuff like that. But I think I think it's just so the baseball's so different. Um, going to a game's a lot different now um, than it was back then. Um, they needed that little. It's just weird because I've been watching old games. Period. Um, older Angel games even, and just the progression of like entertainment at the stadium and what people needed to do to kind of keep themselves entertained back then was different than it is now. Um, I think they just need to retire it, man. I, th- I don't think there people think about the monkey anymore when they think about the Angels. I think, yeah. I think when you think about 2002 World Series, you do think about that. Right. You do remember that, but you don't. Well, that that and Thundersticks. I don't know. I don't know which one do you think of more. Which one do you think of more when when it's 02? Do you think of the Thundersticks or do you think of uh, the Rally Monkey? I think of the Rally Monkey more. Yeah. Um, I think of the Rally. I think of the ra- I think of the Rally Monkey more. Um. Thunder sticks were awesome, um, and those things did kind of keep going a few years after as well. But the monkey was just so—I don't know—I I don't know why people gravitated or made such a loud noise about that than than anything else. Um, but yeah, I, I just really think that um, it's a thing of the past now. I don't even think right. people even remember. I mean, some people do remember the rally monkey, but I think when you go to an angel game now, you don't, you're not looking for it on the screen. Like you used to back in the day. Gotcha. Yeah. It just, that's one of the things too, that I just, yeah, it's just kind of one of those things where it's like, if it leaves, I'm not going to be upset. You know what I mean? If it's just there, I'll probably be like, Oh, okay, cool. They put it in a movie or whatever they do nowadays. But yeah, if they got rid of it, I wouldn't be heartbroken. I wouldn't be, calling the front office and asking what the heck's going on and all that stuff. But, um, so yeah, yeah so that's it's not that big a deal. Yeah. So that's, that is our, uh, is you have any, let me ask you this. Do you have anything else that kind of stuck out your, stuck out your mind through the whole playoff run, uh, that year? Mm, not, not really. Um, 
I mean, it was just an ex- just a great time to be an Angel fan, man. You know, they hadn't been in the in the playoffs since '86. Um, we're on Instagram Live, and Gil Gil Gid Gid get it. 1981 says, y'all remember Chili Davis and, and George Fabregas? Of course I do. Um, so I'm, I'm making a point to this. Yeah, uh, we hadn't been in the playoffs since 86. We had guys like George Fabregas, like he mentioned, <laughs> Chili Davis, you know, Tony Armas. We had Fernando Valenzuela, who I got an autographed picture. Periwinkle. We had Periwinkle. Yeah. Yeah, we had Periwinkle. We had players like Luis Salaseya, Tony Phillips. Luis Polonia, these guys who were just misfits that were put on a team. The Angels <laughs> weren't good. From from 86 to 2002, we weren't good. We had some really rough years, man. And um, just to get to the to the playoffs that year was almost like a – just making the playoffs to me that year was, was, a, was awesome. Did I think that they would get to where they ended up getting and becoming world champions? Absolutely not. If no one could sit here and tell you that the Angels were going to be World Series champions that year. There's no way. Contenders to maybe make the playoffs, yeah. But for them to be um, put in a spot as a wildcard team to play the, the Yankees in the, in the first round and beat the Yankees handedly was amazing. I mean, once they beat the Yankees, I, I felt good. But still, at the back of your mind, you don't you – don't, you didn't expect them to do that. So what stood out to me the most was the fact that this team, you mentioned it, didn't have a major league superstar. They had angel stars in Tim right. Sam and Garrett Anderson, Torrey Goss, but they didn't have a Barry Bonds. They didn't have an Albert Pujols. They didn't have a, you know, a top line MVP major league baseball player. They didn't have anyone on their pitching staff that was a lights out ace type guy. So what stood out to me was that this team, was a bunch of guys who did everything the right way, put it all together, got hot at the right time. They they stayed hot throughout the whole season. They started the season six and fourteen, and then turned it around and never looked back. They just hit the crap out of the ball. I think the top home run guy was Troy Doss with thirty, and then they had a bunch of guys that had like you know high twenties here and there, but they would slap the ball, get hit, they'd hit you to death. Base hits, right. base hits, base hits, and um, yeah, what stood out to me the most was just the fact that. Nothing about this team was flashy. They just did. They just did things the right way. Yeah, you know, you say you know, Gloss leading the team with thirty home runs at that time. That's a good amount. Now it's like everyone has thirty, but uh, back then, you know, 30's, thirty was a good amount. Thirty was you know a, a good offensive player. And, and now um, you look at the way baseball is played in general. It's a totally different game. Some of the bunts, some of the steals, some of the stuff like that you see in two thousand two you know, wouldn't be going on today. Like there was a couple of times where they'd sacrifice bunts over in the world series. And I don't know necessarily if you would see that nowadays and, and regardless of what team it is, whether it's the angels or whoever, but um, it's just kind of a trip to see some of the old school ways and some of the um, ideas, I guess for baseball back then compared to what it is becoming today. Yeah. Thing of the past, dude, like, you know, you had, you had a guy, a prototypical leadoff hitter in David Eckstein, who there is no prototypical leadoff hitter anymore. Eckstein would get on base. He'd, he'd, he'd create havoc. Then you had a guy in Darren Erstad who was like a second leadoff guy. Then you had a third leadoff guy batting ninth and Adam Kennedy mixed in with, you know, you know, Salmons and Grosses and Andersons in there and, and Fulmers and Spezios. And, um, you know, you were talking about, you know, the 30 home runs, which was good. I mean, obviously 30 is great, but, you know, that team – 
if you remember, I think the year before the year or 2000, the Angels had three guys with 30 home runs in their lineup. They had, you know, Gloss who had 47, 47 home runs. Um, you had, you know, Salmon who had like 30 something. Mo Vaughn had like 36, and then you had uh, Gary Anderson had 35. So that team, 2002 team, took a decline in home runs and power numbers and became more of that team that you were mentioning the the slapping the ball, uh, a bunting you know, thing. They became that team right around that time when Mike Sosha came to the Angels, and and uh, it was just ridiculous. it was just crazy to see that that style of play um, won you a World Championship back then. Now, like you said, I don't think you see a, a, a guy uh, bun a guy over because you know there's you know, less than less than one out. You know, you just don't do that anymore. And, yeah, it's uh, rare. It's crazy, man. Very rare. Thing of yeah. the past, man. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's that's our conversation for, you know, obviously the most important series in Angels history, and then probably the you know two most important games in Angels history: Game Six and Game Seven. Um, obviously, we want your guys' feedback. Uh, have any questions, comments, uh, things we could do to get this better? Email us at allangelspodcast at gmail dot com. Again, it's allangelspodcast at gmail dot com, or hit us up on our social media feeds. That is Halo underscore Haven, both on Instagram and on Twitter. Um, as far as our upcoming schedule, it, we're going to kind of play it week by week and kind of see what if we if, if we if we have time to do it. If there's something comes up um, with the delay, again, we're recording this Thursday night. This was supposed to be our kind of review of the first game and kind of talk about how uh the roster panned it out and all that stuff so it's kind of it's always cool to get on here and talk to to you people but it was kind of bittersweet because of the fact that um less than a month ago i mean when we were in spring training we were talking about what we were going to do for the first podcast of the season and you know now it's when is the first game of the season so it is kind of bittersweet right now to have um you know, talk about this, but also not know when the next Angel game is going to be played. Yeah, it's super bittersweet, man. It's supposed to be opening day. We're supposed to watch a game together, possibly even with Chris. And it didn't happen, but like you know, like you said, man, we're just trying to figure out how to how to make sh- how to make these shows, uh, uh, you know, entertaining while there's no baseball going on. Yeah, uh, we're on Instagram Live. Uh, uh, get it, nineteen and one. So let's talk Dodgers. Let's talk Dodgers, broskies. Well, have Dodger Haven make a podcast, and we'll talk Dodgers. But there's no hate right now, man. We all miss baseball, just the same. Like, so I'm not going to talk crap about the Dodgers at all today or tomorrow or until baseball starts because, you know what, we're all in the same boat. We're all missing the game we love, and it's a distraction that we always want and always need, but it just sucks, man. It's bittersweet that, you know, I, I was super sad today, man. Like, like, I was just like, man, today was supposed to be the day where 2020, man, like, Let's start fresh. You never know what can happen. And uh, here we are, man. So we just have to wait a little bit more, unfortunately. Yeah, and kind of talking about the the count to opening day, whatever that is, uh, make sure if you're on our social media feeds, you check out the um, – what's the hashtag? Angels, Angels Memorabilia Challenge where um, yourself and Chris are posting stuff every day until opening day. Um memorabilia stuff old stuff stuff from the stadium stuff from uh collector items kind of stuff and then it's also really cool to start seeing other people kind of in that community 
use that hashtag and share it. And it's, it's also really, really cool to see that. Yeah, that was a way that Chris Chris had talked to me about, hey, how do we how do we like distract people from what's like going on and like being like like cabin feverish and stuff? Right. You know, Chris and I have a, a pretty good collection of memorabilia and we know we're actually making a documentary. It's on hold right now. About Angel's memorabilia, we know quite a bit of people in the Angel's memorabilia world, and there is there is an Angel's memorabilia world, believe it or not, out there. And uh, so we said, hey, let's let's post one item a day until baseball starts. Uh, we each have enough things to do that, and uh, so we decided, hey, let's post. You know, Chris is posting his stuff on the Halo Haven page. I'm posting my stuff on my own personal Instagram, which is at Halo's Fan fifteen twenty four. If you guys want to follow me on there. And I think we all have cool stuff. When we got some really cool people joining in, we have you know Mandy from the from the Angels PR department that joins in on Facebook. You have Tom Duino, who is probably the the the, the renowned Angels memorabilia collector, joining in as well. So it's cool to see everyone's you know memorabilia and the stuff that holds dear to your heart about the Angels and, and the, the team we love. So you know, it can you want to join in on the fun? You know, you don't have to start from from day one. You know, you can start right now and then post whatever it is. It could be a program, it could be a sticker that you pick, whatever, man. You know, it's fun to do this. It's fun to share my collection because I've always had a decent collection of stuff that I've ne- never really been able to share, and it's a good way to share it. And you know, it's just fun to 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 be part of something different and and something be a part of something right now because we can't go outside and have fun with you all. That so let's 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 do it over the internet. You know what I mean? Let's have some yeah. fun on. On our social media platforms. Yeah, again, so that is hashtag Angels Memorabilia Challenge. Check it out. We have it going both on Instagram and on Twitter and our Facebook page. So whatever social media you use, just click on the hashtag. You'll see Chris's um, collection. You'll see John's collection. And then you'll see a bunch of Angel fans collections that who have also used that. So, um, you know, we're just trying to keep people occupied, keep people's minds on baseball while this whole craziness is going on. But, you know, we'll keep on doing it. We'll keep on putting out podcasts as we go. I'm working on something right now um, for a special podcast, probably sometime in early April. Um, I talked to about I talked to uh, Brandon March today and I talked to Jared Walsh uh, about a week ago about this. So uh, I'm trying to get a couple other guys on the on the podcast and uh, once it's done and put together, we'll definitely put it out there. But um, keep on keep on listening, keep on subscribing, keep on downloading. And again, um, if you can write a review, if you can write, um, give us a, a rating on our iTunes page. It, it would help out a lot, just helping us kind of spread the word and help us when people uh, type in Angels Baseball, helping us be one of the first podcasts out there that they can have the, the choice to click on. Um, you know, and if you're new, and you're looking for some time to kill, go back in our library. There's a bunch of interviews we did in there, whether it's Victor Rojas, Ty Buttry, Brandon Marsh, um, Jemai Jones, Victor, uh, I said Victor, uh, Mark Gubaza, like there's a handful Tyler of Skaggs. Tyler Skaggs. Um, so yeah, definitely if you're a new listener, thank you. But I, I definitely suggest during this time, go back. We have some really good interviews. We have a fan interv- uh, fan kind of, um, podcast in there that we'll probably uh end up doing once the season starts again but uh definitely check it out rate review subscribe that's what we ask uh and 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 thanks everyone for you know obviously this this time isn't easy but thank you for letting us into your world and trying to be a little distraction at least for a little while during your during these times 
Yeah, absolutely, man. We we appreciate all you guys, and you know, it gives us a distraction as well, kind of keeps some normalcy in our lives. You know, something that we do every week. You know, we try to keep it going, and it's it's hard to to try to find things to do when we can't talk about baseball, but it's fun, man, and, and, and finding ways to do it. And also, like, you know, I just want to say that my Angels memorabilia challenge thing today is going to be pretty sweet. So be on the lookout for that. Follow me at HalosFan1524 if you guys want to check it out. And we will definitely retweet that off our All Angels podcast, or not All Angels, sorry, Halo Haven Twitter. I got ahead of the game right there. Um, but yeah, so that's going to be it for this episode. Uh, for my co-host, Johnny Max, say bye to the people, Johnny. Peace out, guys. Have a great one. Stay safe. Stay at home. And I am Daniel Garcia, and it's been a great opportunity to talk and chat with you guys. Until next time, have a great night and stay safe. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring... The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate.
Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more.